0: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. Westholm, which is based in Queensland in the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia, and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more
2: at westholme.com slash That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver.
3: Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM, let's create.
4: During the summer when the weather gets hot, I can only imagine how much time you plan to spend outside with friends or alone on your couch with that AC blasting. AT&T 5G and home internet keeps you connected so you can enjoy all the summertime vibes, whether you're sharing pics from a rooftop, video calling your friends from an outdoor concert, or streaming your favorite show, episode after episode. So stay connected to your favorite people and your favorite things with AT&T 5G and home internet. AT&T 5G requires compatible plan and device. Coverage not available everywhere. Learn more at att.com slash 5G for you.
1: Hello, and welcome to Saber a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum, and today we're talking about miso. Yes, indeed, which was another Lauren suggestion. Yeah, this was uh, during, during the very height of my initial pre-winter soup kick. Uh, oh. And I was going like, soup, soup! <laughs> uh, and yeah. so, yeah, yeah, I was like, what's up with miso? Let's let's look into it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love miso,
2: and I love miso soup. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, especially in college, it was a really big yeah. comfort food for me. Um, I definitely had a lot in Japan. I feel like it just came with meals, like just a small little cup almost every meal. Oh, wow. Uh. Miso soup. And right before, as I said, I'm pretty sure— I have finished grocery shopping for 2020. <laughs> um, and right before uh, we did this episode and I
1: found,
2: well, no, uh, through the help of a friend, uh, I found white miso paste. And I've been using it a lot. Oh, yay.
1: It's yeah, great. it's really good in, like, basically everything. It's mm-hmm. uh, like we said in our uh, gochujang episode, which is related fermentationally. Um uh mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just like oh, does this does this dish need something like does just boop does just boops miso in there and it's probably going to make it, boop it extra delicious.
2: Yeah, and we went through a, a kind of cold snap for Georgia uh and, and listeners of the show know I'm very cold I, I'm already like naturally cold yeah yeah so, i I'm,
1: if I show up to a recording in like a t-shirt with maybe like a light flannel like Annie has like her parka and some like fingerless gloves and like maybe yeah. a hat uh, yeah. like a toboggan you know uh, yeah <laughs> i'm not I'm not over exaggerating this is like literally what Annie has showed up. <laughs> yeah. And I got so chilled
2: in my apartment, and I was, like, the most comical, wrapped in, like, three blankets and the hat and the scarf and the gloves and all (laughs) the stuff, and I was just shaking, and I made a a mug of miso soup, and it was so good. Oh, Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, and we did back when we could go out and do things. Uh, we had that koji mold at Holman and Finch. Right, they just gave us little
1: little shots uh, off yeah. of their off of their cold koji. Uh, they just like poured off. They were like, I, we were like, I don't know, what kind of weird stuff do you have that you can that you can let us eat? And they were <laughs> like, Do you want to try some mold juice? I was like, Yes, yes. <laughs> Is it tasty? No, they were like, I don't know.
2: <laughs> and we're like, Yeah, sold. So. <laughs> Food podcast duty to do this. <laughs> <laughs> also, the sweetbreads. The sweetbreads oh, were so. Oh, that's good. right. Because we
1: were there for the sweetbreads video.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, it was so. They were amazing. Like doing this episode, I remembered that and was like, oh, <laughs>
1: oh my. Oh, yeah. I miss going out to mildly fancy restaurants and having things like sweetbreads made for me by very talented chefs. So intensely. Yeah. Uh, I do as well. I I I do I do order out and pick things up when I can, but oh, holy heck.
2: I did. Uh as you know, because I sent you a very excited text, I made oxtail stew. Um
1: Oh right. Oh how did it time. how did it go?
2: It no exaggeration is one of the best things I've ever made. Uh, it was so good. Oh, it was
1: so good. Isn't it just I'm down isn't to my just last the bowl. texture? Just so, just so mm. delectable.
2: Mm. Yes. Uh. Yes.
1: It was um uh, I've been
2: looking ever since we did that episode, and I just—I haven't been able to find them. But on uh, my last grocery sh- ah. grocery trip, they had them out, and I was like, this is a sign! <laughs> uh, and I I forgot my phone, so I couldn't look up, like, what ingredients I would oh, need sure. to make anything else. But I just happened to have enough stuff to, like, sub out or work, yeah. and it was so good. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: uh, um, I'm so happy that it worked
2: out. Yeah, me too. Me too. I hope I can make it again. Um, but for this episode, yes, we have done an episode on the related goju chong. You can check that out. Our tofu and tempa tempeh, uh, those also kinda related. Sure. But I guess this brings us to our question. I guess so.
1: Miso. What is it? Well, uh, miso is a flavor bomb of a bean and a grain. Paste. Uh, it's a it's a concentration and and preservation of um, proteins and sugars and salty, savory, funky, sweet flavors from those ingredients. And uh, yeah, so so it's typically made with uh, soybeans and rice, white or brown rice can can do. Um, but uh, you can use any legume, azuki um, beans, chickpeas, lentils, and any grain, uh, barley, rye, buckwheat, oats. Uh, the grain in question will be fermented with a fungal culture. Called koji mold, and then mashed with cooked beans, diluted with water, mixed with salt, and aged until it's done. And uh, done can be a range of values um, from a few weeks to a few years, with the resulting product being anywhere from um, like creamy white in color and sort of mellow, savory, salty, sweet in flavor to yellow to red to like brown black and seriously funky salty at that, at that darker end.
2: <laughs> Funky salty is an excellent descriptor.
1: Yeah, yeah. oh, so good, so good. Um, uh, and different regions of Japan are known for their distinct styles of miso. Um, and, and yeah, that, that ratio of grain to bean and the types of grains and beans you use and whether the grain is malted first and the amount of salt you use and the length of storage— all of that is going to have an impact on that final product. So, so when you say miso, it's not, it's not a monolith. You're talking about a lot of different things. Um, unlike many other things, the, the the less funky is probably my favorite kind for just hmm. putting in dashi broth and having a soup. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but some of that aka miso, that red miso, oh, it can be so good as a, as a seasoning. Yes.
2: Yes. I, I read an article about someone who did like a miso tasting of all the colors of Ooh. miso, and I was just like, oh,
1: I want to do this. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Adding add, adding stuff to my mental list for when I get up to Buford Highway Farmer's Market. Um, <laughs> uh, meanwhile, if y'all hear some like jingling in the background, that is not reindeer. I'm not Santa. Um, that's what? That's orange cat. <laughs> Trudy, she's uh, she has joined us for this recording session. Mm. Uh, hopefully, she doesn't step on the recorder and stop it. We'll yes, see. <laughs> she wants to know more about miso
2: as well. She,
1: <laughs> she does, she does. <laughs> she herself is kind of funky and salty. So, mm. um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> back, back to food. Um, uh, okay, so, um, so Koji. Um, koji is a word for um, a type of mold-inoculated grain. Um, and, and the scientific name of the mold in question here is um, Aspergillus orrazi. Um And it famously grows on rice, hence the oraz there um, in, in, the, in the name. But will grow on other grains as well. And we talked about it in our Gochujang episode. Um, uh, it's also used to make that, as well as stuff like soy sauce, uh, sake, soju, sochu, um, and uh, other fermented rice and or bean foods. In fermenting rice, um, this this friendly mold will contribute enzymes that will break down the starches in the rice into sugars and the proteins into amino acids. And when the resulting koji um, is then added to uh, to, to beans and stuff to make miso, it kicks off a secondary fermentation. Um, The same same enzymes are going to break the bean proteins down into amino acids, the starches into sugars, and the fats to fatty acids. At which point, other friendly microbes that live in the air, including lactic acid bacteria and yeasts, will eat some of these sugars, etc., and poop flavor. <laughs> so we are once again talking about bacteria and yeast poop. Yeah. Gets... Less goofy every time we do it. Uh, obviously, <laughs> absolutely. Which is what we're going for, less goofy. That's that's our motto. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but okay, so uh, so so miso, the resulting miso um, can be used as a seasoning in a lot of ways, um, in stews and stir fries or marinades or sauces for meat or vegetables. But yeah, it is very often just made into a simple soup called miso shiru, um, consisting of a, of a clear dashi broth, um, usually a, a, a seaweed, um, possibly mushroom, possibly fish-based broth, um, and miso paste. And maybe some toppings in there, like garnishes, like a, like dried seaweed or some tofu or some daikon radish, um, uh, maybe some vegetables, something like that. Um, scallions, I don't know. And in this simple soup format, it is part of the traditional Japanese breakfast of miso soup with a bowl of steamed rice and some pickled veg on the side. Um, but yeah, like Annie said, it can be served, you know, frequently. Just just a just a little just a just a little amuse bouche yeah. kind of. <laughs> Yeah, a yeah. shot of miso. A, shot, a shot, shot of miso, miso soup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can make miso yourself. And um, in these our days of, uh, of, of of fermentation, of home fermentation, lots of people do. There are plenty of really good recipes out there. Um, uh, but uh, if you buy it, look for um, the refrigerated containers that do contain live active cultures because those are going to be the freshest and probably the most interestingly flavored. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Also, side note, people have made miso out of all kinds of things that are not beans, Um, like pistachios. Um, I saw a recipe for cookie dough miso,
3: because I guess
1: technically all you really need is like a combination of fats and proteins and starches. Um, I don't know if I believe in cookie dough miso.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But do you want to believe?
1: I don't. I think actually I think that's it. I think I don't want to believe. Uh-huh. I am. You're the reverse I'm, I'm, X-Files. I'm, I'm the, You're the I'm no I'm the files. scully. I'm the scully of <laughs> cookie dough miso.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I would watch that show. <laughs> A whole show based on cookie dough miso where somebody really believed in it and me, you were like, no. No.
1: <laughs> According to science, it should not be. <laughs> and also you have my have to faith. want to believe. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I've got a lot yeah. to think about there. Um, yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. Uh, but but yes. Um, miso. I guess including the stuff you make out of cookie dough. Uh, can can really can really season anything. Like like miso caramels are a whole thing that got popular a few years back. Um. Huh. Yeah. Like salted caramels, miso caramels, delicious. Is there a miso Kit Kat? Oh gosh, I, I bet there is. I would be willing to put down, in fact, a whole Kit Kat bar. Dang! High <laughs> <Pie> roller.
2: <laughs> okay, now we're talking.
1: <laughs> I'll have to look through our bag of uh, Kit Kats uh, that we split, so I have some, and yeah, some. yeah. Don't don't worry, don't worry. We're not. No one, no one here is hoarding the Kit Kats. No, never,
2: never. <laughs> I guess speaking of, what about the nutrition?
1: Well, uh, you know, it does depend on what you make it out of and how you eat it. It's not typically the kind of thing that you're going to like take whole spoonfuls of. Um, but mm-hmm. but in general, miso is pretty good for you. Uh, lots of fiber, vitamins, minerals, a little bit of protein, a little bit of fat, it is high in sodium, so if uh, sodium is something that you're watching out for, watch out for that. Um, and there's just a just a whole bunch of research into fermented soy products like this and their effects on our health. As of now, it seems like the consensus is like they're helpful, but not some kind of wacky cure-all. Like, right. Like there there is there have been indications that they might have. Um, uh anti-cancer like pro-cardiovascular properties um pro-digestive health kind of stuff like that um but you know don't 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 give up modern medicine and just eat miso soup (laughs) (laughs) all right i mean do if you really want to i can't i have no power over you i cannot tell you what to do but that wouldn't be my personal recommendation as a non-medical human person
2: <laughs> yes, we have made clear that we both have no power <laughs> over what your actions, but also we are not medical professionals. So, you know.
1: Yeah. Shrug. I could be wrong about <laughs> everything.
2: <gasps> no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is when your doubt gets shaken about the cookie dough miso. See?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, I will say, I will say that, that fermentation in general is just like a really smart way to preserve foods and, and also make them more um, um, nutritionally dense uh, or nutritionally useful. Um, like to, 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 uh, Often that process is going to break up some of the molecules that we either can't digest or that hamper digestion in some way or another. Um, and so the same way that people figured out that like cheese is a really great way to store milk – Miso is a really great way to store beans and rice. So there you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about numbers? We have any numbers? We don't have that many, and I'm mad about it. I <laughs> I I looked and I looked, and it was difficult to 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 pry them out of the internet's grasp. Um, mm. uh, but but I can tell you that the global market for miso is on the rise, um, even though the Japanese market for it is not as large as it used to be like decades ago. Um, uh, because as of the mid nineties, at any rate, the average citizen was eating about 20 grams of miso per day, as opposed to, uh, twice that or more pre world war II. Um, but even in Japan, it has been, uh, on, on the, on the rise again, um, increasing slowly recently. And, uh, As other markets, like Europe and North America, get into it, um, it's expected to continue growing. So there you go. There you go. We do
2: have some numbers in the history section.
1: Oh, we do. And we will get into that history. But first, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Glow
4: with your best skin. Be confident in your skin.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, uh, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you?
2: Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip
1: yeah. together. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and Native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at Rico.com.
5: This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be.
3: at purdueglobal.edu.
2: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor.
1: Yes, thank you.
2: Okay, so disclaimer on this, this history section. Um, it was hard to find a lot of information, one. Um, and a lot of the information I did find came from compilations completed by the Soy Info Center, which, by the way, was a 1,378-page document, oh. which... I read, I read a lot of. Okay. I did not complete it, but I, I did read a lot of it, and I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but I did. I just wanted to put that out there. I, I tried to fact-check with multiple sources, but I didn't always manage it, and I'll try to point out those instances. But Yeah, yeah. Disclaimer, done. Um, mm-hmm. So Miso's history in Japan is centuries old, and depending on who you ask, what source you're looking at, Even older than that. Um, Some put the origins of a savory fermented paste resembling miso in that country, uh, somewhere between 300 BCE to 300 CE, so that's that's a really wide range. Uh Um, Some point to the arrival of Chinese Buddhist monks to Japan sometime between… 618 to 705 CE, uh, believing that they introduced Japan to a salted soybean paste. Um, This paste itself traces back to 700 BCE China, the base of which probably started as fish bones and or meat, but uh, soybeans were the primary base by 100 BCE the first known written instance of soybean jang or soybean sauce is also believed to come from China, um, found in 200 BCE's prescriptions for 52 ailments. And yeah, uh, from the early days, miso was highly valued medicinally. Uh, digestion, lowered libido, cancer, infections, all kinds of things miso was believed to help out with. Mm-hmm. Records indicate that something we would call miso in our modern our modern parlance hmm. was in Japan by 900 CE, though it was probably there around uh, 700 CE. Um, the name miso is believed to have originated in 900 CE as well. Or perhaps miso arrived from Korea around this time. or it hmm. developed in China, Korea, and Japan, or any mix of those independently and simultaneously ish around the same time. So, you know.
1: (laughs) Mysteries, histories. (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) Whenever and however it arrived to Japan, it evolved based on region, this rainbow of colors uh, that we talked about in the beginning, and intensities based on the climate. Uh, And at first it took off, particularly in northern Japan. The soybean base preferred based on a 6th century CE Chinese recipe for miso, Um, and of note, this sauce spread throughout Southeast Asia, where it was adapted based on the cuisines and ingredients in those areas, and we've talked about some of those before on this very show. Mm -hmm. Apparently, records from the 10th century indicate that miso wasn't necessarily cheap, and so adding it to soup was generally only accessible To the rich. Um, For those that couldn't afford that, they would often add a tiny bit to rice or pickled vegetables. Uh, It was also added to simmered vegetables and fish and used as a sauce for raw fish when combined with vinegar. Uh, I will say here, like, it could be I'm misinterpreting something. But uh, especially in the North, people, a lot of people on farms made their own miso, so I was kind of confused why Mm -hmm. it would only be uh, for the rich, but maybe just how you add it to soup or something like it took more to do that hmm.
1: I'm or maybe not sure. may- maybe like yeah like how much you would use at a time perhaps or right hmm. yeah or maybe it depended on the region where you were
2: sure uh, but yes more mysteries of history uh before re- refrigeration and food preservatives, a tub of miso served as an emergency go-to for many because it lasted. Um, some things I read claimed by the 12th century miso soup was a fairly common meal for the samurai. And again, I could not find too much to back this up, but it is a fun legend, so we'll tell it. Um, and and the legend goes this is a really early uh, version of instant miso soup. Because ah, right. Right. The the samurai would wear these braided ropes of taro leaves simmered in miso around their waist. And when ready, they'd cut off a section and boil it in water. And there you go. Hmm. Miso soup. <laughs> allegedly. Oh, allegedly. allegedly. <laughs> There's,
1: as I believe we've said on this show before as well, um, a lot of stuff about samurai was kind right. of retroactively written into popular legend. Um, so it's it's sometimes difficult to suss out what mm-hmm. what is actual facts. And what's just for fun? And it's okay if it's just for fun. I mean, that is very fun. Yeah, I've never (laughs) eaten belt soup. Belt soup. What if? Oh no! (laughs) What if your belt fell off? (laughs) It's clearly a secondary belt. This is a a decorative miso decorative and functional. Yeah,
2: as food belt, right? Yes.
1: Whole, anyway. new, whole new meaning to functional foods. Yes.
2: Oh, gosh. Yes. Oh, gosh. Don't go down that road. right <laughs> now. Um, so apparently, too, this was also the time miso soup making parties were really in vogue. As a host, you would prepare a soup base uh, complete with seasonal vegetables, and you would invite guests, and they would bring side dishes for sort of a soup potluck, which sounds pretty fun to me. Oh, um, yeah. Yes. And this was when miso soup became more available and therefore more mainstream. A lot of art from this time showcases just how big a role uh, it played in daily Japanese life. And allegedly, the emperor had a favorite miso. Ah. hmm Perhaps the first known Western reference to miso came from Italian Florentine Francesco Carletti in 1597. Or that's when he encountered it. Uh, he didn't actually record it until 1606. Uh, In describing his journey to Japan in 1597, Carlotti wrote, They prepare various sorts of dishes from fish, which they flavor with a certain sauce of theirs, which they call miso, with an L. Uh, It is made with a sort of bean that abounds in various localities, and when cooked and mashed and mixed with a little of that rice from which they make that wine already mentioned, which was sake, um, and then left to stand as packed into a tub, turns sour and all but decays, taking on a very sharp, piquant flavor. Uh, Using a little at a time, they give flavor to their foods. (laughs) Um... German author Ingelbert Kampfer wrote about his time living in Japan in his 1712 work, Delights of the Exotic. Oof. Oh, uh, in it, oh. <laughs> he, he mentions the importance of miso and also shoyu and koji. Later in 1727, he published The History of Japan, in which he describes observing people use miso, quote, as we do butter. Uh, and this is the first known English language mention. And I had trouble confirming this, but a few a few places credited the Encyclopedia Britannica with being the first English-language hmm. publication hmm. to print miso as, quote, that is used as butter. I feel like I should have been able to find that on Encyclopedia Britannica, and I couldn't. Yeah. So. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, for the U.S., this might have happened, this first recording of it, uh, in 1847 in a letter to the Farmer's Cabinet and Herd book. According to one source I found from a miso manufacturing plant, so grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, by the 18th century, soy sauce had really supplanted miso as a flavoring outside of rural areas in Japan. So in the cities, you would do soy sauce over miso. Um, and this would continue, according to this article, until 90% of miso in Japan went into soup. Meanwhile, homemade miso remained popular in rural areas of the country until the 1950s. Soy sauce was much more difficult to make on your own. Um, And people took pride in the differences of their home brews, as they called it, uh, with their neighbors, their home brews of miso, comparing flavors and histories and colors of their miso with each other, which I do love. Mm Mm-hmm. Japanese immigrants arriving in the U.S. at the dawn of the 20th century brought their miso-making techniques with them. 1907 marks the first commercial miso made in the continental U.S. in Sacramento, California, and four more followed in that state soon after, all opened by Japanese immigrants. In the beginning, sales were fairly limited to Japanese immigrants or other immigrants familiar with miso. Um, The first commercial miso company in Hawaii opened in 1908. And it wasn't until the 1960s that the average American knew about miso, thanks to health movements uh, of the 60s and 70s with a focus on, quote, natural foods and macrobiotics. Uh, One person of note in this whole thing was Japanese immigrant Mishio Kushi, Um, He was a big proponent of eating Macrobiotics and miso specifically For health reasons And he opened Erewhon Natural Foods Market In Boston Where he sold a lot of miso to people In this time frame And people who tried it and took in Cushy's message about health uh, They spread that information and the product Across the country I didn't know what Erewhon was Until like a couple weeks ago Oh, I'd never heard of it Well there you go now I know. <laughs> kind of. It sounds like a Whole Foods. Is that correct? <laughs> I, I, like a nicer Whole
1: Foods. Movie. I'm 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 aware of it. I've never I've never been in one. Um, but but it is a name like within my subconscious somewhere that I'm like, oh yeah, you can get a food there. Like that I don't know. <laughs> that's uh, that's it? Yeah, yeah. that's 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 what I've got. That's for a lot of a lot of uh subregions of the country, I'm like, I'm like, is that a food word? And my brain makes note of it. But mm. what kind of food is up to further investigation for later times and dates when it becomes more necessary?
2: <laughs> ah, okay, that's your the Rolodex system. Yeah, yeah. But
1: but listeners, let us know. Yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> if I'm right about that. Yeah. Um, so all of this was happening just as sushi was growing more accepted in the U.S., more mainstream as well. Um, in the 80s, and miso soup is often a part of those meals at these American sushi restaurants, and still is. Mm-hmm, um. Mm-hmm. And all of this was happening as more research was being done into the health benefits of MISO, with research suggesting um, and keywords suggesting that hmm. MISO could prevent cancer, lower cholesterol, and shield against damage due to radioactive fallout, which was a big selling point at the time because, you know, Cold War was still a thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of course, all of that boosted MISO's popularity. On the heels of this, the first non-Japanese Americans started opening miso companies in the 70s. And more and more studies came out in the 1990s suggesting miso's health benefits and that have also
1: boosted its popularity. And that's about where we are. Yeah, that, that brings us more or less to, to, to today, miso-wise. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
2: Yes, miso-wise. That's that's where we are. Yeah, oh. yeah.
1: Um, the some of the research into that that radioactive fallout protection was really um, it, it's really historically interesting because um, one of the the or I, I guess the premier researcher was this um, Japanese doctor from uh, from Nagasaki uh, who uh, when when the bomb was dropped, I think that he and a group of his patients were. I don't know, like a kilometer or two away from the, uh, the blast zone. And, um, his, his patients wound up having like a really good resistance to, um, to a lot of the radioactive, uh, radiation related issues, um, that were, that were going around at the time. And, uh, and he was like, they eat wakame miso every day. And I'm like, I'm not positive that that was it, but, <laughs> Um, there's there's probably a lot of factors that go into it to be fair I did not like read all of his work about it but right. the quick takeaway that I mm. got was that he was like miso is good for you and other people were like <laughs> cool let's try it <laughs> yeah I mean it's a very
2: as we've said it's a lovely comforting thing mm-hmm. uh, more research is needed as always but mm-hmm. yeah yeah Well, I guess that's what we have to say about Miso for now. For
1: now, Um, we (laughs) do have some listener mail for you.
2: We do. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from
4: our sponsor Glow with your best skin, be confident in your skin.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, uh, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you?
2: Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip
1: yeah. together. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing and we want to go. And I'm hungry. No me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at Rico.com.
5: This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be.
3: at PurdueGlobal.edu.
2: And we're back. Thank you, Sante.
1: Yes, thank you.
2: And we're back with
1: <gasps> listener,
5: listener Mail. mail. Mm.
2: Nice warm mug of <laughs> <laughs> Lisa wrote I'm a bit behind on the podcast, but I just got done listening to your Reese's one. Growing up, I lived in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is about a 30-minute drive away from Hershey. In the podcast, you talked about going to Hershey. There's many things there, including a museum that talks about the history of Hershey's that I went to once when I was younger, but I don't remember much about it. But they also have an amusement park which includes a ride that is a roller coaster, laser tag. Game. Ooh. Uh-huh. And then also while you're there, you can check out Hershey's Chocolate World. You can buy pretty much any Hershey's candy, and they also have a food court with delicious cookies and my personal favorite, the milkshakes. Each and every time I would go there growing up, I always had to get a Reese's peanut butter cup milkshake. Also, I feel like you guys probably already have heard about this by now, but the History Channel puts out a DVD series on the food that built America. It goes into detail about Hershey's, Mars, KFC, and a lot of other staple American classics. It is a binge-worthy series, and I highly recommend it. Well, that sounds fun. Yeah. As a kid. Oh, you know, my but my only thing is, and this used to happen to me at Six Flags too. I would I I get so excited. I get so excited. <laughs> like you've you've seen it, even as an adult when I go to these like theme parks, yeah. I get so excited. And I would get these headaches from the excitement. Oh. And then you add in like a Reese's peanut butter cup milkshake, milkshake which I would have loved, yeah. by the way. Yeah. And it. I just know at the end of that day, there would have been a
1: massive headache. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. That's, yeah, I learned I learned my lesson pretty good um, the first time that we went to Universal Studios together. Because I was like, oh, yeah, Butterbeer and Boddington's, and then let's get right on the Hulk. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> and dear listeners, you know- it was not great. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't been on that ride again since. <laughs>
2: yeah you gotta make your theme park days you know you gotta you gotta make some choices you do and probably a lot of them won't be the best choices but <laughs> this sounds super fun this sounds so fun to me
1: yes yes <laughs> um <laughs> uh gosh valerie wrote I'm Jewish so I don't tend to do Christmas carols and allergic to dairy so no cheese for me but when a friend posted this on Facebook it reminded me of Annie's cheese giving and this is a tweet from one Reverend Richard Coles uh, blue mm-hmm. check mark and everything um and uh, I I I love I love that. Annie knows. Annie knows <laughs> that I frequently cold read these listener yes. mails, um, uh-huh. and and furthermore, uh, that <laughs> when she gets me on just the right day, I will totally sing <laughs> <laughs> any lyric given to me.
2: Uh huh. <laughs> you know me so well. <laughs> I'm trying to be all sneaky, but you see right through me. <laughs> uh, uh,
1: this, part, part of part of me though, I'm trying to figure out all of the the um the scansion in in this verse. And I'm like, have I been have I been saying a lot of these words wrong? Mm. I'm not sure.
2: Oh, interesting.
1: Um, more things you must confront after this, you know. There's yeah. so. The truth is out there. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Um. Okay, okay. This is in verse. Um. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. We're not gonna sing it. I'm sorry. I'm not. <laughs> and or you're welcome, depending. Yes, yes. Uh, okay, so deck the board with Christmas cheeses. Fa-la-la-la-la, la-la-la-la. lee for baby Jesus. Fa-la-la-la-la, la 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 for Joseph. Brie for Mary. Fa-la-la, la-la-la, la la But the Magi don't do dairy. Fa-la-la-la-la, la-la-la. <laughs> Hashtag cheese carols.
2: That should be a whole thing. That, why is that not in... I my, my hymnal,
1: <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, no, no, no offense or or slight or any of that to anyone who is practicing a, a religious holiday right now, um, or or observing or whatever the correct phrasing there is. But but I I think that there are a good number of people who are quite serious about cheese, mm-hmm. and would be equally. Maybe not equally. They would be similarly <laughs> joyed to mm-hmm. get to Carol about cheese.
2: I think that this is the evolution. This is the next step of cheese giving. Is that there <laughs> needs to be a book of cheese giving things we read, songs we sing. Yeah. and I think I'm the person to helm this.
1: I, I, I Annie Reese, I, <laughs> I have faith in you to <laughs> to make cheese carols a thing. Uh, I I think you can do it. I think your pun game is strong mm-hmm. enough. Yes, uh, the puns
2: are strong with this
1: one. Mm-hmm. I think I think your dedication to a mm. to a rhyme scheme. Um, oh yes, that's true. Is intense and in a in a in a good way in a good way like in a like in a, yeah. in, a in a in a blue cheese way you know. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it will be an arduous journey, but I, the reward will be excellent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I shall embark upon it. Well, and heck I yeah! Will update, keep you all updated. <laughs> <laughs> um, if anyone has any ideas for the book of cheese, oh. giving, well, I'll send them my way. Yeah, um, and thanks to those listeners for writing in.
1: If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all of which our handle is at saverpod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way.
0: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
1: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women